Please welcome Meg Hines. All right. Good morning, church. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, you may have seen me running around after my children because I have a lot of them. Um, that's Randy's fault, by the way. So if you see them running and you don't like it, you can talk to him about it because he adds to that crazy. Um, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Meg. Um, my husband and I, he's over there. You can say hi. Um, we, have been we have been married for 11 years, and we have four adorably wild children to show for it. Um, we have been licensed Foursquare pastors for almost seven years, and three of those years we pastored a church out in Northern California. Um, so if you showed up today and you didn't realize that this was one of those churches, um, it definitely is. Um, so you're kind of stuck with me for the foreseeable near future, although if you're stealthy enough, you could like take a wrong turn to the bathroom that l could lead you to your car. Um, which wouldn't actually be the first time that that has happened to my husband and I. Um, for various reasons, we've literally had people right after being introduced to us at our last church just walk out. Um, we've had people after my husband got up to do announcements right after worship um, and announced that he and I were the senior pastors of our church. We watched them leave. Um, you know, many reasons. We don't always know why. Um, it could be, you know, we're kind of young. We were even younger then. Um, it could be just that, I don't know, we're kind of tattooed, and that seems like weird for some people. Um, definitely on occasion, we have had people leave because I am a woman, in case you didn't know that. Um, so plan your escape now if you so desire. Otherwise, it's me. Welcome. Right. Thank you. Um, so uh, today, um, I just, I was praying this week, getting into God's word. Um, and I really just, I wanted to really discern what is, what does God have for us today? Um, all right. Um, well, I have a lot of things on my heart. And, but I wanted to decipher what was for me, but what is for us, right? And so I want to tell you that what I have prepared, and in just in general, any time I have ever taught or preached something, it was never first having transformed my heart. Whenever I've preached something, taught on something, whether in a group like this, in a Bible study, it is always something that first God transformed my heart about it. And so as I was preparing this message, um, I was often just, just as odd, just as edified, and if I may say so, just as chastised, right, walking through and preparing this message for you guys. So before I begin, I want to pray. Oh, dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is life-giving. Thank you for bringing us all here today, and thank you for giving us your spirit. I ask that our hearts would be open um, to hear your word this morning and that you would speak a word that would change our lives forever. Amen. So the question I am posing to all of you today is why church? Why do we come to church? What's the purpose of church? I want you to reflect for a quick second. I want you to look at your own heart. Why do you come to church? 
I could bring up this verse, right? Some of you may have even thought it, right? Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Right? We go to church because the Bible tells us, go to church. But why does the Bible tell us to go? Right? Why does the Bible say, don't forsake getting together? Salvationally speaking, you don't need to go to church to be saved. Jesus Christ is who saves. So doing it, right, thinking the answer is, well, because I have to, is not necessarily the greatest answer you could give. So this is my basis for the message today. I want us, I want you to answer this basic question of why do we go to church? Why do we come together? And so to do so, we must first ask another question. What is church, right? Well, you could be thinking, hello, that's where we are, we're here. But that's church with a little c, right? That's the place of worship. But there are a lot of religions who have churches. There are a lot of sects of Christianity that have churches, right? The Bible references church as a church, as a temple, as a synagogue, all things that other religions refer to their places of worship as. But what about church with a big C, the body of Christ? The word church is a translation of the Greek word ecclesia, which means literally called out. That's all it means, called out. It is used in the New Testament 118 times in 115 verses. But only five of those times does it refer to an actual assembly of people. The rest of the time, it is meaning the church. Right? So really, the question isn't even what is church, but rather who is the church? We look back at Ecclesia. The church are the called out ones, the Christians, the believers in Jesus. It is people gathering in the name of Jesus. So if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you, my friend, you are called to be a part of the church. Not to church, the church. So, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Church isn't a set script, right? It's not traditions. It's not making sure that there's some great sermon to be prepared. It isn't how we do worship. My husband likes to say there are a lot of ways that you can do church and do church well, but there are a whole lot of ways to do it wrong. So I want to take a look at some of my favorites, a set that is my favorite, one of my favorite sets of scripture. We're going to go to Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So here we have the basic recipe for church. 
It has five main ingredients. First one, first ingredient, being a believer in Christ. It's pretty simple. To be the church, believing in Jesus is the ultimate requirement. Second ingredient, continuing and believing in God's word. This is a big one. It might seem obvious to some of us, right? Because the Bible tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This book, the Bible, it makes you better. It equips you. But over and over again, it keeps saying this. Keep his commandments. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 1 John 2, 3. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Because what is the greatest commandment? Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. We are to love God first and foremost. And his word tells us that if we love him, we keep his commandments. But how can you know what those commandments are if you are not in his word? It's not a question of whether or not you can be saved without reading his Bible, but rather a question of if you love God, why wouldn't you? John tells us that the word is God and that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. That means that in order to love Jesus, you must love his word. We don't get to pick and choose out of the Bible, right? Because if it is God, it is God. Loving God is loving his word because it is God. Third ingredient, breaking bread. This one, yet again, might seem obvious. Oh, yeah, let's have a meal together, right? But it's so much more than that. It says that they went house to house. It says they went to the temple, and then it says they went breaking bread house to house, right? Sharing a part of your life with the body of Christ, it doesn't just happen at church. Now, I'm not trying to downplay when we have meals here at church because I love that. That's one of my favorite things, okay? Rather, you cannot think that you've done the thing well if that's the only meal that you are sharing with the body of Christ. In the same way that going to church once a week doesn't make you spiritually healthy. Fourth ingredient prayer. Your prayer life should be between you and Jesus, but also richly involved with the members of the body. Church, we should be gathering to pray. We should be gathering to pray for one another regularly, but also when we gather just to gather, prayer should be there. It should just happen as the body of Christ. To bear with one another means carrying each other's burdens. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. 
James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Philippians 4.6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Number five, fifth ingredient, fellowship. You may be thinking, well, isn't that breaking bread? That's fellowship. It's a part of it. But I left this one last on purpose. The word fellowship is Greek for koinonia, meaning association, community, communion, joint participation, intimacy. The root word is koinos, which is the Greek translation of the word common found in the phrase in that Acts uh, chapter meaning all things in common, right? So common, fellowship, very similar words. So fellowship is more than just being with each other. It's more than just sitting next to each other at church. It's more than just proximity, right? It's being of one heart, one soul, having all things in common. And this doesn't just mean physically, right? We're not all supposed to be turning into the same person. That's not what this is saying, right? It means that as a group of believers, we should be coming together and then growing together, having all things in common. That's what that means. It means that we are spiritually coming together, not just physically, but in order to edify and build the body of Christ. In the same way that in order to know God's commandments, to know God's will, you have to be in his word. How can you carry the burdens of the body of Christ around you? If you aren't in fellowship with them, how can you pray? How can, sorry, how can we pray for you if you're not in fellowship? If we don't know how to pray for you, how can you break bread with the body if you're skipping the community aspect of being the church? Because fellowship should be intimate. Fellowship is knowing from a look, from an interaction, body language, that something's going on, right? Could be really good, could be really bad. But it should be that intimate. The early church knew how important it was that they relied upon each other because that was all they had. The early church decided to sell all the things that they had and, and come together. And I'm not saying that that's what we have to do, right? We're not gonna go and buy a giant plot of land and all just move there and create this little commune. That's, well... You have fun with that, Todd. Um, but what I am saying, though, is that we should be coming together so that where someone lacks, the church, the church, is filling that need. Where someone has a need, we're filling that. But also that if you're the one who is lacking, if you're the one in need, you feel comfortable enough to go to the church knowing they are going to supply your needs. So you might be sitting here after we've just gone through. Well, what's the difference, right? Because here we are today, a group of Christians gathered together for the sake of Jesus. But a church building, a church service can house so many different types of people. One of Life Church's core beliefs is that the church is to be a hospital. When you walk into a hospital, the what do you see? You see sick people, you see visitors, you see nurses, doctors, specialists, a church service, a church building is not just made up of Christians. 
It's made up of non-believers. It's made up of people who call themselves Christians but are not necessarily walking that way. It's made up of teachers, of preachers, of prayer warriors, and faithful servants. The church body and the church building are two distinctly different things. And yet we use them synonymously all the time. Somewhere we stopped using church to mean the body of Christ, to meaning the place we meet for worship. 1 Corinthians 3.9 For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Our lives should be a reflection of our worship. Our lives are to be a sacrifice to the Lord. So as you read the Bible from here on out, right, especially in the New Testament, whenever you see that word church being referenced, I want you to replace that definition that you have this idea of this is church, and I want you to change it from the place of worship to meaning the body of Christ. So how does knowing this help us to understand why we go to church? Because I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I don't want you to think, well, if I am the church, then I don't need to go to church. Because the Bible definitely doesn't say that. Right? Just because you're a part of the body, that doesn't make you the whole body. And it doesn't release you from fulfilling your part within the body. Because ultimately, church, as in the place, should reflect the believers within. It doesn't matter how great the building is. It doesn't matter how great the, how, how nice the people are inside. It doesn't matter how wonderful worship is that day. A hospital is only as effective as the medical team within. So let's turn to some scripture to help us see how God wanted to set up his church. It's long, so bear with me clicking this thing. I might be a millennial, but I do not do technology. All right, so here it is. Okay, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized. See, it's like kind of up there. All right, I'm going to keep going. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composes the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. 
Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Every single person in this room has gifts and talents. Not one of you could tell me I have nothing to offer. Not all gifts and talents are flashy. Not all gifts and talents are going to stand up on this stage. Most will be behind the scenes. It's about discovering the best ones that fit your gifts and talents for how it fits into the body. So just remember that even if you find yourself feeling like your gifts are small or that you serve no purpose or that your gifts can be of no help, right, or that your purpose doesn't matter within the body, think about this. How poorly does your hand function if your elbow hurts? Or how well can you use your arm or really your whole body when your shoulder is in pain? How poorly does the foot function if you've broken a toe? How poorly does your leg work because your foot isn't working well because you broke your toe? At the end of the day, it isn't about us. It is about how the body functions. Because when you stub that pinky toe on the edge of the chair, you feel it. It takes you out for a minute. Okay? We've all done it. You all know. Okay, it's the same with the body. Even though that pinky toe seems small, when it's not hurting, we may not always notice it. But when it is hurting, the whole body notices. It's not about us. It is about the body of Christ. It's about doing the work of God's kingdom. But our body must be in sync. So much so that in that verse, in verse 26, it says, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Because again, when part of your body is not functioning properly, it affects the whole body. This is why breaking of bread and fellowship are so important to the body of Christ. You can't possibly be mourning with people who are mourning. You can't possibly be rejoicing with people who are rejoicing if you don't know that people are mourning and people are rejoicing. It is part of the body's function to build up the different parts of the body. Maybe. One more. All right. Ephesians 4. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, 
from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What are you doing outside of a church service that is building up the body of Christ? Every part doing its share causes healthy growth of the body. But growth can only happen at the rate in which the weakest among the body can handle. But it does no good for the strengths of the body to condemn the weaker parts for being weak. It does no good to look at your own weaknesses and count yourself out. But rather for grace, love, and encouragement to abound. And I don't mean weakness as in sin, right? I'm talking about how everyone has certain strengths and they're all different. And everyone has different weaknesses. But for someone to, to discount someone else's strength because they think everyone should have their strength. Or for you to discount your own strength because you don't have the strength someone else has. Don't let someone else's strengths and weaknesses detract you from what your position in the body. So, what is the purpose of church? We've considered what is the church and in diving into that, we've revealed who is the church. And we just discussed how important being a part of and working as the body is. So now we move toward our question of why church by asking, what is the purpose of church? Are we simply just to meet together so we can edify the body of Christ? No. The end goal is not just simply to have a healthy body. It's definitely something to strive for, but it's not all we are striving for. This is the purpose of the church. And one more. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Go, therefore, and make disciples. If you call yourself a Christian, you are a disciple. Acts, maybe? Oh, no, that's the next one. But wait, X11 says, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch, meaning that disciple and Christian, those are synonymous, right? And as a disciple, you are called to be a disciple maker. The point of you being part of the body of Christ is not so you can invite people to come to church. The point of you being a Christian a disciple of Jesus, a member of the body of Christ, is for you to preach the gospel. As it says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Your job doesn't end by bringing someone to church. You don't just get to hand it off to Randy or hand kids off to Stacy. We are called to preach the gospel. We are all held responsible to share Jesus with others. God did not put his spirit in you 
just for you to fill a seat in church. When something radically transforms you, right? When something life-altering happens, when something awesome comes your way, our initial reaction is to share it with anyone, everyone. When women find dresses with pockets, we share it. Look at my dress. Oh, it has pockets, right? When you get married, you share it. You invite people to come in. You share it on social media. When you have a baby, you announce it. You say, look, I've added to my family. When your cancer is cured, you tell people about it, right? When you have a great parenting hack, you share it with other parents. The same should be said with our relationship with Jesus. Jesus Christ has transformed your life. You need to share about it. It is not enough just to be nice to people. You cannot preach the gospel. You cannot preach God's word without words. Yes, your life must reflect what you are preaching. And you can draw people into your life by the way that you live. But you still must ultimately share Jesus Christ with those people. And so now, here we've come, a full circle. What is church? Who is the church? How do we be the church? And what is the purpose of the church? New Christians, mature Christians, and every type of Christian in between. We need church. We need the fellowship of other believers as the body of Christ. We are to equip each other for good works for the mission of seeing people saved. Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our eyes are to be fixed on Jesus, but we are supposed to be surrounded by other believers because this race is not a sprint. This walk of faith that we are doing is a marathon. But if we're not surrounded by that cloud of witnesses, if all we're doing is trying to do a Sunday well, the church's heartbeat should not be a Sunday morning. The heartbeat of the body of Christ should be every day. The only acceptable answer for why do we go to church is to see people saved. And the only acceptable way for people to be saved is if we are being the church. Jesus chose to do the work of his ministry while in community. He didn't need his disciples. He could have done all of that by himself, but he chose to have them with him. As one person, Randy Stacy, right, they can do a lot for God's kingdom, but their spheres of influence only stretch so far. God has no grandchildren. There is no drafting in this spiritual marathon. So my questions for you, church, body of Christ, are you coming to church just to check that box off your list of spirituality? Coming to church makes you feel like you've met that spiritual quota for the week. I go to church. I'm a Christian. Are you only doing church when you do churchy things? At church, 
at a Bible study, a prayer meeting? Are you digging into people's lives? Or are you only sharing parts of your life? I hope that going through this had moments that really challenged the way you view church. Because I know as I read through these scriptures, I was challenged. God revealed to me things that I need to work on. And so I hope that that has happened for you. We are called to be the church every single day. Let us get out of our own heads. Church is not about a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Those things are great. Those things are programs to help see people get saved. But it shouldn't be what we rely on. Being the church should be our identity. Jesus has offered his life as the ultimate sacrifice so that we may live. For the love of God, sorry, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We are to continue the work of his ministry. He did not sacrifice himself just for you to become a Christian. We need the church. We need to be the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know each and every one of our hearts. You know our strengths and you know our weaknesses. I ask that you help reveal it to, to all of us, especially those who are unsure what those gifts and talents might be. Encourage our hearts. You love us so much and you gave us your spirit for a reason. Lord, help us to equip the saints. Help us to preach your word. Put on our hearts those around us who we can help lead to you. Thank you for giving us your word. Let each of us leave here today ready to look inward at our hearts so we may honestly review how we have been thinking of church. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.